You are listening to Asian Skycast, the show that brings you the most updated aviation industry insight. Okay, welcome to the Asian Skycast. Jeff Lowe and I are here. Um, he's not coughing on us, so this was a, already a great start. <laughs> we are here because um, we are going through a review process. A review process for our Business Jet Fleet Report and Asian Sky Quarterly, both of which will be coming out in April uh, at our Fleet Week. And we've been reviewing the data and the numbers that have been coming out of our analyst teams, and we've been reviewing uh, all the trends and the feedback from our surveys. So we're not going to uh, release any numbers at the moment, but we thought it might be interesting just to give kind of a, a sneak peek at what the data has been telling us. Um, Jeff, just from a 30,000-foot macro view, uh, what's happened to the fleet in Asia over the last year? Yeah, I mean, as you as you said, Max, we're we're literally reviewing first drafts of both the fleet report and the Asian Sky Quarterly. They're still they're still warm, fresh out of the Xerox machine. So, uh, and again, yeah, I just thought we would pass on some some of those first impressions because literally we were just we're literally just looking through the numbers and going, oh, that's interesting. Um, probably for me, right off the bat, I, I, the numbers aren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. Uh, or certainly, we had originally taken a look at the the fleet and its growth or its negative growth uh, earlier in 2019 uh, for one of the conferences, and so I expected the numbers to come in uh, actually in the negative. But happy to say now we did have positive growth. It's it's not a big number. Uh, but it is it, it is positive, which for me is good news. When you say positive growth, you're talking about the number of business jets in Asia. I'm talking about the fleet size, the number of units, if you will, uh, did increase from 2018 to 2019. So, and were there any trends um, in terms of OEMs, uh, cabin size? Um, much, much in keeping with past years. I mean, the, 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 two dominant OEMs were again, Bombardier and Gulfstream. Uh, I guess they, they stamped their authority on the Asia Pacific market even more so in that they did register, uh, a fleet growth. Their fleets in Asia did increase. I cannot say the same for the, the, the others, certainly Textron, Dassault and Embraer, uh, did not experienced that benefit. Uh, un- so they they lost airplanes out of the region through 2019. Uh, so much in keeping with previous years. Uh, also, when you look at the size categories, again, uh, a lot of the growth is coming in the long range category, which is not unusual for the Asia Pacific region. Large cabin and medium size airplanes just have yet to really get a foothold in the Asia Pacific market and keep it. So we saw some declines in those two segments, uh, and probably maybe one of the one of the surprises is the the light category, which is probably the last thing you associate with the Asia Pacific region. Uh, it experienced some good growth through 2019. Um, so when we talk about that, it's uh, it's still a, lo- a large cabin, long range market. I mean. If I go back a few years, the theme for us was really that China, mainland China, Hong Kong, uh, was a, a market for ultra long range, and that the rest of Asia, Southeast Asia, um, was less so. But to me, what's sort of been standing out is that countries like the Philippines, it's almost started to reverse, where you do have a lot more uh, ultra long range aircraft being added, and then in China, you do see some smaller aircraft being added. So it's, I'd almost say, like a little bit of a rebalancing uh, across the region. Uh, I, I, I would agree with that. 
you know, you can't ignore greater China, shall we say. It represents 40% of the market. Um, but you're absolutely right that if the engine of growth is no longer greater China, if anything, greater China drags the numbers down. Uh, from the mainland and Hong Kong, you're seeing fleet reductions. Uh, but as you just said, you're seeing uh, some some old countries coming to the fore, Japan, Australia, but then likewise seeing some Southeast Asia or some uh, Indochina, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines. These markets are now contributing to the fleet growth where they, whereas they hadn't in the past. And so, yeah, you're seeing a, another story being told in other parts of Asia. A couple of other things I think that stood out for me, and obviously we're not talking specific numbers, but those will be made available to everyone April 21st or, or April 20th. But, you know, some of the trends, I think, have held such uh, we've now seen for the third year in a row that pre-owned acquisitions into Asia Pacific were ahead of new deliveries. Um, that's not something I would have expected to see five years ago, six years ago, but we're starting to see that that trend continues. Uh, and the other thing that stood out to me was that uh, sales out of the region weren't as significant as in the last two years. And I think you and I both went into this thinking we were probably going to see more aircraft that have been sold out of Asia. Uh, but that hasn't happened. And I guess one of the questions is, is that because it's been intra-Asia sales or just because, you know, it's been a slower sales market? Yeah, as you said, I originally thought the numbers were, were going to be more negative uh, because I expected there to be more deductions from the region, much like you just said, Max, whereas that, that has not been the case. Uh, certainly new deliveries and, and pre-owned deliveries or additions into the region haven't been as strong as other years. But again, that was somewhat compensated by the fact that we didn't see as many deductions, which is, I guess, maybe the, the silver lining to the cloud. Uh, but again, still pre-owned deliveries or pre-owned additions certainly being the greater versus new deliveries. Uh, if anything, we saw a significant uh, tail off in new deliveries, a uh, big change in that number. Uh, but likewise, not as many deductions. And again, we're still talking here about the number of units. Uh, I think one of the things that we also wanted to kind of touch on was with new deliveries being down and pre-owned additions being down and deductions being down, uh, when you start looking at that from a transaction side, dollar value, you know, what is our market size out here? What is it worth? If I'm an OEM, what is the market size? If I'm a pre-owned uh, aircraft broker, what is the market size? Uh, you're seeing because of basically um, not as much business that these values, these dollar values are significantly lower this year. So whereas before we were looking at, you know, 2.7 billion, uh, we're now at 1.5 billion for new aircraft deliveries. And for pre-owned transactions, which represent aircraft coming into the region, but also aircraft leaving the region. So it's both sales and acquisitions. Again, you're seeing a change in a number from 2.5 in, in 2000. Yeah, let's not give away. Okay. Sorry. All sorry. right. Sorry. Uh, it's just, yeah. about it. No, we got excited about it. Exactly. It was something that for us really, really kind of hit home that, you know, the market has contracted significantly from a dollar value. Yes, we haven't seen that from a unit number, but from a dollar value, there's been a big change. So let me uh, switch over now a little bit into the uh, Asian Sky Quarterly, uh, which is where we do our survey and market tracking. Um, again, without sort of giving too much away, uh, are the results to our surveys, and these are surveys about how people feel economically, whether their intention is to add business jets, use business jets more, um, 
are we seeing the results that you would expect in the face of COVID-19 and, uh, you know, the economic hit? And I would say yes. I mean, it's it's, it's probably to vaguely, or as you say, from 30,000 feet summarize, um, there's still a lot of uncertainty. So a lot of people that responded to the survey, frankly, just said, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to tell at the moment. That was their answer, which is understandable. Uh, but a big portion also just came out and said, no, you know, how do you feel? Are you still optimistic? And the answer was no. Uh, anyone that felt positively was definitely in, in the, the, the smaller quartile, shall we yeah, say. And I think some of those were probably from, so for those of you who don't know in our Asian Sky Quarterly, which will come out April 21st, we track basically what happened during the first quarter in terms of people's mood and intentions. But those survey results come in throughout really the month of March. And what we're actually seeing is even in just that 30-day period, uh, a change, a change in attitude. So I think, you know, as COVID-19 has has become more of a reality for everyone, you're going to see those numbers reflected. Um, so we'll try to lay out as much uh, as much detail as that. Uh, if you are familiar with our surveys, I would just like to make a PSA announcement and please do go and fill them out because um, it is extremely helpful to us. Uh, the more people that we have. Uh, you can find our survey on our website at Asian Sky Media or our LinkedIn page at Asian Sky Group. If you have three minutes, uh, please go and fill out the survey. It is, um, it is. Yeah, and again, you have to keep in mind that uh, the, the two reports actually work sort of in, in, in sync with one another. The fleet report gives you the you know a, a view of where the world was at the end of 2019, and, and that's obviously very different than where we are today. Um, but that's why you also need to pick up the copy of Asian Sky Quarterly. Uh, a lot of the Asian Sky Quarterly data is from the survey, which probably gives you a fairly good indication of where the numbers are going to be f- from the data tracking that we do uh, three or four months from now. So it's a good sort of uh, balancing act on bookends, if you will, to have the two reports and to give you a good assessment of what's happening in the Asia-Pacific market when it comes to business jets. And I do think it's critical for this area because, you know, I mean, just if you're just tracking the U.S. business jet market, okay, you know, you can track corporate profits and how that, um, how that tracks. You can track all kinds of financial metrics that will give you a pretty good idea of what's happening in the U.S. business aviation metric, uh, U.S. business aviation sector. But when you start to get out in Asia, uh, when you're talking about the difference between what's going on in China, Australia, Singapore, Thailand, it is, it's much harder to simply correlate economic data. Uh, you really do have to get uh, direct feedback from participants in the industry. So that's, that's what we've been trying to do. Yeah, I just, uh, so for those that aren't aware of the, the Business Jet Fleet Report, you know, the information we present is broke, broken down a whole bunch of different ways, if you will. Yes, there's sort of a, an Asia-Pacific uh, overview, but we then break the data down by country, by OEM, uh, by registration, uh, age. And so the data is sliced a whole bunch of different ways. And again, depending on your business and what is key for your business, uh, you, you hopefully will appreciate the fact that you can get different perspectives. And again, this year in the Business Jet Fleet Report, we certainly have taken a much stronger emphasis looking at engines and treating them almost the same as we do for, for airframes by breaking the market down by engine manufacturer and type to give a better overview of what's happening on the engine side as well. And I think we've also um, we've also 
dived into registries a little bit more this year. Yeah, we've got a big section on registry. Again, breaking it down by countries and operators to give you a good overview of what's happening with local registrations versus uh, offshore registrations and the changes that we're seeing uh, in the registry side of the business. Fleet Week, uh, again, I think probably finally getting some uh, some better control of what that's going to represent. Uh, on day one, uh, we'll obviously release the uh, business jet fleet report and also Asian Sky Quarterly. And there will be a presentation that is available, uh, if you will, presenting all the highlights of that. Uh, if, you, if you don't have the time or the inclination to go through the report in detail. On day two, that you have your opportunity to, if you have gone through the report and look through the presentation on Monday, you do have the opportunity to get online and uh, talk with Max and I and give us your questions. Uh, we feel that's a pretty important part of this whole process of Fleet, Fleet Week, where you do have the opportunity to be interactive with us. Uh, Everyone takes a different look at the business jet fleet report at times and have different things they want to focus on. So that's your opportunity to come back to us with questions and get answers direct from direct from us. Also, uh, that same day, Max and I will be moderating a panel, uh, which will include the ASBA board of directors. And so, again, there's an opportunity to, uh, if you will, pose your questions and get the views direct from ASBA and see uh, their take on what's happening in the region and the market at the moment, and also uh, the current situation regarding coronavirus and everything. So be able to get uh, interactive feedback at that time as well. Day three, uh, we have a whole series of different podcasts. Again, we're trying to uh, just not hear from Max and I and ASBA, but also have the opportunity to hear from other uh, professionals and leaders throughout the Asia-Pacific region, again, with their take on what's happening at the moment, their outlooks, uh, their concerns, what's they, what, what keeps them awake at night these days. So that would be uh, day three. Uh, we've made a, uh, a plea for everybody, I should say a plea, but we've made a request for everyone to uh, please help us fill out those surveys because those are important. But I do also want to ask people to come and sign up for Fleet Week. Uh, there's a, if you go to our website at Asian Sky Media, if you go to our LinkedIn page at Asian Sky Group, uh, you'll see a link which would allow you to sign up. It's free, um, but just knowing that you're signed up allows us to interact with you. It'll allow you to submit questions beforehand. Uh, it'll allow us to keep you informed of uh, events as, as they move. So uh, please do go to that. Um, please sign up. Again, it's free. It's April 21st, 23rd. I'm sure you're all still going to be stuck at home back then. And uh, as we've said before, what we're trying to do for everyone is create an opportunity to put your headphones on and ignore your family for as long as possible. So you're welcome. Please sign up and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Asian Skycast. Make sure to visit our website, Asian Sky Media, where you can subscribe to the show on your phone or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.